Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. She just did this whole like rant about how gay people are narcissists and it comes from being like so deeply in love with yourself that you're just looking for your carbon copy. Oh wow. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Me neither. I would say like, I know now that my mom was wrong because I don't want a date of five. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that strives to be as contagious as the coronavirus. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are Diking Out with comedian Rachel McCartney about compulsory heterosexuality. Sounds like a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Rachel performs all around New York and is killing it on Twitter and recently taped a comedy set for PBS. Rachel, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. I was just saying that I don't get to talk to you enough because sometimes comedy, we're just too dyke passing in the night. Yeah, and I mean, more to the point, you live in Sunnyside and I live in Bushwick. Yes, <laughs> so that'll yeah, do it. that's the main reason. Nobody wants to come to Queens. And... I, okay, when I got off the train, I was like, I need to find a wife right now and move here. <laughs> it's so fucking cute. It is cute. And then there's, there's so many lesbian neighbors that we have that we're friends with. And I mean, not so many, but it feel it's like more than I've <laughs> more ever than had. One couple is yeah. so many. Yes, and then also like tomorrow, there's an Irish gay pride parade in our, the neighborhood. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, this is so gay because it's March. It's so gay. Usually, isn't it in the St. Patrick's Day parade? They don't want the gay pride people in there like they're known for being like a little bit uh homophobic oh that sounds right so they have the irish pride here in sunnyside yeah (laughs) i love queens though i had the same reaction when i started coming out here for the podcast do you feel like it reminds you more of chicago than for sure i mean like it it reminds me a little bit honestly of skokie if you ever yeah i did go to skokie a lot i worked in skokie for a while you're right that was the first place I remember being alive. I was like one and I lived in Evanston, but then from like two to six was Skokie. Oh. Skokie sounds like such a Midwestern <laughs> it's the place. It's, well, it's Jewish. It's, it's, it's so Jewish. Yeah. So that's where you'd go for bagels. All right. I thought you were Evanston full blownsies. <laughs> where were no, you after- no. Evanston, Skokie, Wilmette. Wilmette. That's yeah. it. Is that where yeah. the Home Alone house is? Or is oh, that I think Winnetka? that's Winnetka. Okay. I almost went there when I was in Chicago. I was like, should I do the pilgrimage? And then I ran out of time. No. Yeah. yeah. One day. You know, it, they announced that Macaulay Culkin was going to be on American Horror Story and like five people sent me the article. And I'm like, great. I'm glad people still associate me very closely with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I saw that announcement and a lot of the pictures on the posts were of him and his brother. <laughs> like mm. his brother's still, I don't know. He can't escape his little brother's shadow now that he's blown up. It's all yeah. little baby pictures of them and the announcements for Macaulay Culkin's yeah. new role. Yeah, no, Kieran has really, with the succession 
succeeded his brother nice. in being the, the prime Culkin. Uh, I'm literally hearing about him right now. <laughs> oh, really? I don't, yeah, I don't know any of this. You don't know, like, about the Culkins? No, I know who oh. Macaulay Culkin was. I okay. know the Home Alone house. I know all yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah. but the updates, no. Okay. Fuller, what's the bed? Fuller is in the Home Alone movie. Yeah. Kieran Culkin, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Kieran Culkin. But With then the there's also glasses. Rory Culkin, who is beautiful and looks like a medieval prince. Like, <laughs> he just, I don't know. There, there's a comedian, I don't know who, but he said the, the Culkins look like if you just try to draw a person from memory. <laughs> like that. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, they also have a sister that looks exactly like them, too. Ooh. Yeah. I've I met I've met a lot of the Culkins I mean, before. That sounds hot. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because they look yeah. like lesbians. And to know yeah. that there's a sister that looks just like them is Yeah. Intriguing. It's a very interesting family. <laughs> it is. A couple quick announcements. Our next show at Stonewall is Monday, March 30th. And on the lineup, we have a couple of past guests, including Taylor Ortega and Sydney Washington. So come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're also putting on a show in Los Angeles at Akbar on Sunday, April 12th. And we'll let you know when tickets are on sale. But we're putting together a lineup right now that's pretty killer. And yeah. I'm already very excited about it. And it'll be the first time we put on a show in L.A. Is it? Because I'm new here. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's supposed to be the best gay bar in Los Angeles. That's um, what I hear. I'm really excited. It's on a Sunday night, so bring your friends in. Drag them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a couple quick things. We got some feedback, which you love to give, and <laughs> I love to receive. I do. <laughs> feedback on a couple of recent episodes. The doula episode that we just had, we did have a listener, Lauren, who is doing her OBGYN residency. And I did a lot of talking about home births based on what I've seen through one person's Instagram account. So uh, I just want to make it clear that I'm no way an expert on home, home births. And, and, you know, Solange, of course, like knows a lot about that. But something important to remember, I mean, one, do your own research. Two, is that the reason why a lot of the statistics for the safety of home births is good is because you only plan a home birth if you're like super low risk gotcha. for doing it. So when we were talking about stats like that, you have to kind of like understand all of the data and see what's really influencing it. So of course, if you're only having people who are low risk give yeah. birth at home, the statistics are going to be different. So we just are no to... experts. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> sometimes I get real confident with my knowledge that I get from the internet and <laughs> from and, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, from Instagram. And listeners kindly remind me. <laughs> <laughs> That some people take me seriously. All right. Uh, and another one. We had a listener question a few episodes ago about lesbian bed death, which I still want to do an entire episode on. Another thing that I cited that I read on the Internet and I couldn't tell you where was that of all like the sex pairings to females have like the lowest amount of sex. I read that that was a study and I read it was because their libidos are lower, but apparently that is a myth. And that I'm, I'm shocked that that's a myth. Yeah, same. <laughs> 
Right. I don't know. I mean, you know, I only have my experience as like one woman and can't compare that to like a man's libido and everybody's different and like different people I've been with have had different sex drives. And there are just like a lot of different things that determine it. But it sounded really interesting uh, what this listener was talking about. She listened to an episode of Dan uh, Savage's podcast and it was episode 695 of Savage Lovecast, if anyone wants to listen to it. And there's an expert on who talks about these myths around the libido and about ways to kind of deal with declining libido or declining sex drive or or any issues around that in a long-term monogamous relationship. The one thing she mentioned was something about how women require more variety sooner than men, which was interesting. Yeah, I've I've heard that all the like, oh, spice it up with these like these toys and this like lingerie or this... All, all of that is for women. Yeah. That women need that like sooner in a relationship where men don't need that until much later. Like men are fine just doing it missionary while thinking about their coworker uh, <laughs> for, for years. That'll get them through. <laughs> just kidding. Until five years in, I don't need any toys and then I'll go find a 19 year old. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, going back to talking about our Stonewall show, Melanie co-hosted her first Stonewall show. So much fun. Yeah. It was a great show. Yeah. We had a lot of everyone who came out and watched my initiation. Um, If you weren't there, what happened is I wore a denim jacket when I did the Stonewall show back in July and overheated uh, Uh because it was July and had to mid-set take off my jacket and try to seamlessly transition back into my jokes. and While making a tape. Yeah, while recording. I still can't bring myself to watch that tape um because i think i kind of bombed but you didn't that's I, in your head getting a tape is always it's, a nightmare it's my everest yeah. actually um and i'm still working on it yeah we um initiated me onto the show because carolyn famously wears a black leather vest when she hosts every stonewall show and we decided that we would fancy a vest out of the denim jacket for me so i don't overheat because as carolyn said armpits are the vaginas of the upper torso. Uh, upper torso. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to breathe. So we had a audience member who just happened to be a stylist. Her yeah. name was Aja in the front row. And throughout the first couple acts, she designed a vest out of that denim jacket for me. Because <laughs> I, I brought some really sharp fabric cutting scissors and made a lot of really easy scissoring jokes well, that, was, uh, that mm. kept me going throughout the show. Uh, <laughs> it was the scissoring joke vehicle. The yeah. Jacket. We thought it was just going to be somebody snipping off the sleeves and five minutes later getting it back, but it was literally like at least 45 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah. So we thought we were going to get it back yeah. within the host yeah. set, but it was... Come on. It was like <laughs> frayed ends and like, it looks like you've had that vest your whole life. Really, truly. <laughs> it was great. It uh, went beyond our expectations. It was such a great night. It was really cool to share it with Melody and like have a a co-host on stage with me. And everything was going great until the end of the show. And this is where (laughs) things get crazy because one of the audience members who was talking to Melody before, uh, we, we were out on the street after to get pictures taken. And I see this look on Melody's face of just like pure shock. And somebody from the audience had walked by and 
grabbed her ass. It was Fuck. like um, like aggressively grabbed her ass and, and whispered away. in my ear. What had happened was right after the show, she came up to me and was kind of aggressively kept saying that I reminded her of a quote hot bitch from the L word, and she was trying to figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> Someone was like, "Is it Gigi?" And I, I obviously was very flattered. Rachel, I don't know if you're watching Generation Q. The no. L word. No, I didn't think so. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. you. I admire you for it. Um, but there is a new person. Persian character on the show and she's attractive. That's and so fun though. Is it, oh, is it the one of the same race? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one? I am stumped, you know, so I had to <laughs> offer him. Like, Gigi, she is Persian and obviously if you listen to past episodes, I've already talked about her so much I'm very attracted to this character. Because um, she looks just like you. Because I'm a <laughs> Hell narcissist. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she um, aggressively kept calling me Gigi upstairs and then cut to us taking portraits on the street. I was walking up to Carolyn and as I'm walking up to her she the same girl comes at me grabs my ass and whispers in my ear bye Gigi and then walks away laughing with her friend yeah and I laughed because I was in such shock but if you look at these portraits we took immediately after oh my god I look terrified yeah <laughs> and stunned that was terrible that's you know never happened at a show before you know and for all the people who were like thirsty for Sarah she she had never been groped at a Stonewall show. Yeah. So like to hear of this happening, I was just like, it, like, don't act like a creepy fucking dude, you yeah. know, like and and I think it's this thing where, you know, people listen to us and like that person's relationship with you is that you only exist to entertain them. Mm -hmm. So they've like yeah. dehumanized you in a way and you exist for their pleasure the same way and that... And this is how you were asking for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By uh, wanting to be an entertainer in yeah. the first place, yeah. too. And yeah, so like it's the same thing that men do to women in general of like thinking we only exist for their pleasure. And it's very upsetting to see queer women doing that to each other and it's like performative masculinity at its worst and please if you come to stonewall we love having you there uh keep your fucking hands to yourself or i will cut you with my scissors we're bringing the scissors to every show now yeah now i have to bring scissors to every show and they are very sharp all right <laughs> they cut through denim wait very you're telling easily. me the girl who kept saying hot ass bitch was performing masculinity <laughs> i think so crazy i think so yeah can i Lots ask like about. how how tall was this person <laughs> shorter than me yeah yes. yes that was my guess <laughs> doing it yeah that makes sense aggressive it's, short it's man definitely energy a type. yeah yeah and like aggressive like they're like yippy dogs yes <laughs> yeah that makes total sense i didn't think of that they don't, yeah. they, they, don't they don't think anybody is gonna like perceive them as a real threat and so no one's taught them how to behave uh, and like yeah thank shame. you another breakthrough on this shame one on i them. really i couldn't sleep that night i was in a full-blown rage it obviously triggered something terrible. like bigger than that and i just like did my morning pages the next day you can't read it and it's like ripping into the page my pen <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pure rage because i please only don't had, touch me <laughs> yeah i've only had men do that to me and i remember like being in bars and having men just walk by and fucking goose me and being like what the hell is wrong with you like what part of me literally just standing here trying to order a drink your ass like you're right yeah. like my just for having an ass i got grabbed by the pussy standing. literally the by fuck? a man yeah and this happened before the tape leaked this was in august oh before God. the elections and when did the tape come out like september or october i yeah, just yeah, remember yeah. it being like right before, before. 
and I snapped at this man. Like I, um, I lose my shit you when should. this happens, and I started screaming. I grabbed his hand. First of all, he was coming up to talk to me, asked if he could buy me a drink, and as he was doing that, he reached up my dress <gasps> and he grabbed my vagina. Holy yeah. shit! And so I grip his wrist as he's doing it, and like I pull his hand down so it can let go of me, but I do not let go of his hand as it's in between my legs, and just like a just squeezing it and screaming in his face. And then I had to leave the bar because I was being like oh hysterical and loud. And wow. um, yeah, this was in my hometown at Barcelona in West Hartford, Connecticut. Get your shit together. Yeah, I ha- had to leave. I was kicked out of the bar for reacting to a man grabbing my vagina. And so, you and you yelled like this man groped me. And they're yeah, like, you don't care. Yeah. Fuck. As I was being like escorted out. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm going to pitch a show here and it's like a revenge show, but it's not you seeking revenge. It's your girlfriend, Allie Clayton. (laughs) Yeah. Country style revenge (laughs) on all the people who fucking assault you. Carrie Underwood with the baseball bat. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Just takes them out one by one. And I would watch... The shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. Every time I text her about someone being creepy towards me, she sends the same picture and it's her making a chopping motion with her hand and like very tight lips. And that's her signal for I'll chop their dick off. <laughs> and every time she'll see them in person later, if it's like a comic or something, she walks around like that towards them just to like freak them out and keeps walking. <laughs> I, I think people need to be reminded that Allie went to Native American rehab where she spent a lot of time cutting wood. Yeah. She knows how to cross cut. <laughs> Listen Native back to America, the is, is that where Elizabeth Warren had to go? <laughs> <laughs> She's the founder. She was actually the first Native American at Native American <laughs> Rehab. <laughs> Another big life changing event that's happened is Melody and I saw a portrait of a lady on fire. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, have you seen this? No, I don't even know what it is. Rachel, are you into like real slow burn Oscar bait movie? <laughs> Honestly, not really. Yeah. If it involves dykes, tell me more. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just, it's lesbian yearning for Mm. two hours. Oh, that sounds great. Yes. Um, I won't even call it Oscar bait. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, that's unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) It is a perfect movie. It is really good. It's set in pre-French Revolution France. Yeah, it's like 18th century. It takes place on like an island off the coast of France. And this painter has to go paint the portrait of this mistress who's kind of mysterious. And the portrait is to be sent off to her suitor in Milan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Her suitor in Milan who has to like see the portrait to okay that he's going to marry this woman. But she doesn't want to have her portrait taken because she doesn't want to get married. So the the mom tells the painter that she has to try to paint her from memory. And she's her companion. She, yeah. They tell her she's, she's, she's the companion. The so the one character, Heloise, thinks that this woman, Marianne, is there just to be her companion. But really, she's like studying every feature on her face so that she can like paint her paint her by candlelight at night yeah so she's already that's already the lesbian yearning I like it's practical like she has to be staring at her face right to yes. memorize every like curve of her body so that's it's already sexy there are a lot of reasons why this movie is great one of them men are only in it for maybe one minute total barely oh my God, that's maybe one they're rowing her to the island to drop her off in the yes. beginning and that's it <laughs> and, and, and then like in the end there's like an art gallery scene so some men have to be there right but other than that 
the entire movie is all women and you do not miss the men no. at all. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys this. You don't miss the men. <laughs> it is fantastic. It, this movie also has abortion, uh, yeah. which is great. It's like very feminist, positive movie, but an interesting thing. So, well, a bunch of interesting things. So <laughs> the director, Celine Siama, she wrote and directed this. And one of the actresses who plays like the young lady who needs to get painted that's played by Adele Hanel and their ex-girlfriends. Mm. So casting your ex-girlfriend as the lead in your lesbian movie is the it's gayest so thing gay. <laughs> I can think of. I didn't even know that going into it. And that just made it way more gay. Also, I've listened to a, a podcast where Celine was on there talking about the movie and talking about the difference in making a movie from the female gaze standpoint and not the male gaze and how it's not just about how you shoot nude scenes or whatever it has. It's like with um, it's like writing from a standpoint of the female gaze and it's having no power dynamics in it. So where they both have power in it. And she said before, like they're both tops, like they're, <laughs> they and are. It's, yeah. But it's like, I didn't even think about that while watching, but like, there's no, like, like there's just a sense of like equality between the two of them. And it's so different than, than anything I think that I've seen before. Was there even music? I'm just like, or, uh, was, or were we just like, I'm waiting for the movie, which I think represents more lesbian experience, which is where you're just both bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> is the, that your life right now? Or like if we're talking emotionally, it's like, oh, neither of us have power. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Oh no, an American will make that. Yeah, right. The French both have power. <laughs> I love the movie so much. I'm gonna go see it again with Cecilia because Cecilia was out of town. Allie was out of town. Yeah. So we're like, don't be mad at us. We're gonna go see this lesbian movie together for the podcast. And nice. Allie was mad. She sent me a text. <laughs> Literally five minutes after we bought the movie tickets, <laughs> yeah. she sent me an article like an L.A. Times review of the movie and went, you cannot see this with anyone but me. As <laughs> 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 so I was going out the door to see it. <laughs> I like tell her it's for the pod. Tell her it's for the pod. <laughs> That's OK. Yeah. I don't know, man. And and then it was also like so sexy having like a woman painter in it. And maybe I'm like biased because my wife is an artist. But <laughs> no, it was sexy. Yeah. To like watch her painting. Oh my god, my, my first girlfriend was an artist. And yeah. She wasn't even good at it and it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you have did you pretend you liked it? I did like it. I was that in love. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then after it it's kinda like when I first saw pictures of my nephew and I'm like, Oh, newborns are all really ugly, but my nephew's so cute. And then years later I look back at those pictures, I was like Oh, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. that I was like going around showing people, being like, no, but this one's different. And <laughs> he looks like a little gnome. Uh, <laughs> he's cute now, but yeah, newborns as a rule. But I do want to talk a little bit about Twitter before we get to our topic, which is compulsory heterosexuality. You're so funny. Thank you. You have so many amazing jokes. Like, that is so kind. They so prolific on there, too. Yes. I, I tweet once I've a year. I've never been praised this much for an addiction. <laughs> like, I was saying to Melody, I was like, you know, Rachel's so funny on Twitter and tweets so much that it cannot be good for your mental health. It, no, it's not. I don't tweet much and it like I have to kick myself off of it or else I can tell that it affects my like rage levels my moods my yeah, yeah. 
And I have never faced the kind of backlash, like so much backlash that you were talked about on Reddit for things you tweeted. Yeah, it was nuts. By the queer community. Yeah. Because we love to eat our own. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, and floss with the remains <laughs> were just brutal, brutal. And what's that been like for you? I mean, it, what meds are you on now? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very dumb, but it does make me happy that I don't primarily have a queer audience. Yeah, most queer people are great. Yeah, but if your sure. audience is like specifically the queer community, just like look at what happened at ContraPoints. ContraPoints is a transgender YouTuber who oh, makes. That, I didn't realize her name. Is yeah. that the beauty? Okay. Um, no, she would make mostly videos about like culture and like these really great nuanced videos. Um, one of them was about like how being non-binary is valid. Yeah. Um, even though she's like binary trans. Yeah. Stuff about masculinity modern day and how like Jordan Peterson and all these people are like pulling vulnerable men into whatever like alt-right bullshit and here's the alt and here's how society is actually and, and She's de-radicalized so many people who otherwise like were falling into alt-right toxic bullshit. She's yeah. she's she's amazing. Like yeah. great content, great politics, all of that. But she's made some tweets that people just like totally blew out of proportion, took out of context. They ran her off of Twitter. Wow. Yeah. Just for like jokes or what, what she said was even though she understands like the purpose of like sharing pronouns, it is irritating to her when it's like just a group of cis women and they'll start sharing their pronouns. They'll be like she, her, just because she contrapoints is there because it feels like they're drawing attention to the fact like look at what I'm doing because I want to be sensitive to the trans person. Okay, yeah. And she was saying that's like irritating to her. It's not like a huge deal or anything, but it's just like kind of irritating. She's allowed um, to feel that, but no, she's yeah. not. But yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> because people on Twitter are psychotic. But she yeah. was saying this was coming from like the idea that you, you shouldn't assume anybody's pronouns. But when she's like in the South, in places that are allegedly like more transphobic, people will just automatically say ma'am and that makes her feel good. Yeah. But she said that and like people were like, you're true scum. Like you don't believe that non-binary people are valid. You're trash. You're canceled. Yeah. They like went through and looked at like all of her colleagues and sent them threatening shit being like you need to denounce contrapoints or it's over for you like it's absolutely nuts so like whatever very specific niche you're involved in and i mean like she's she makes some of the most nuanced content out there she made a whole video about being canceled. It's a long video, but it's amazing. And so, she's talking about, okay, yeah, no, this thing I shouldn't have said, but all these other things, it's like you're being yeah. ridiculous. Rachel, what you're saying is, as a podcast, we're setting ourselves up to be canceled. Of course, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, hope people are still listening when this comes out. <laughs> I'm embracing no. myself for it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a real thing. I mean, I am constantly super hesitant about everything because I'm like, one thing that I say could be taken and a lot of anger aimed at it and like a whole takedown. Like I've had tiny little tastes of it. And so far, I mean, luckily, thank God, uh, our listeners are pretty awesome. If I say something that is ignorant or something like that, I love being called out for it. But as long as you're like, calling me in as long as you're not like being nasty about being like hey you know I know you're a good person you probably didn't realize when you said this you actually did that and it's like oh okay you gave me something to think about or you know whatever totally. the case but so many people 
on, especially on like Twitter or Reddit or like YouTube are so much less forgiving yeah, and are so nasty. And it just seems like a lot of like, mis- I'm like, why are you so angry? Like there are people I hate that I never even get that angry at. Like there are like real <laughs> awful people who I'll like, I think, <sighs> I don't do you know. Think- they're younger too I, f- I always feel like they're younger because they grew up with the internet and just grew into these like niche little subcultures that anything outside of their bubble really like shakes them and they're I don't just know. not used to I mean it's hard I to know, know right because if it's coming on Twitter you my, don't really no, know my impression is it is mostly it is younger young yeah, yeah yeah but not entirely yeah you, you can be toxic at any age yeah and so you had a you had a tweet it was about self-harm yeah. And and like depression as yeah. yeah, the tweet was I don't care how much pussy you claim you fisted in college, I will not believe you had a lesbian phase until you roll up your sleeves and show me your self harm scars. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I remember that. I remember liking it. I remember checking back and I remember seeing that <laughs> it had gone viral. And yeah. the comments, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's very clear what the joke is. Unless you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. But if you're stupid, then you're certain you're right about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very, very angry. Or if you're just very serious. Like, yeah. Yeah. It right. showed up on Reddit, but I think the title of the thread was Gatekeeping Being a Lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole subreddit for gatekeeping as if you're like gatekeeping well it's like oh wow these people who have created a community about being excluded have a chip on their shoulder (laughs) i can't believe they're unpleasant (laughs) like for them to think that you were like legit being literal about any of that and just like yep I'm gatekeeping you have to literally be a cutter to (laughs) to prove that you went through a lesbian fate like that's how you would have to interpret it to, for it to be like on a gatekeeping thing and not about the emotional turmoil you went through. Yeah. You yeah. Know, coming to terms with your sexuality, which is like what the tweets the thesis. <laughs> For sure. And my favorite part of that Reddit thread, other than the death threats, which were great. Um, the other best part was people were telling me, Oh, this sounded like it was going to be a killer joke, and then it wasn't. And then they, <laughs> and then they were trying to punch up the joke, and they're like, "The punchline should have been until you roll up your sleeves and fist me too." I'm like, "That's a dog shit joke," <laughs> yeah. and it's also gatekeeping yeah. because you would be like, "That's biphobic," yeah, because you're expecting someone who says they had a lesbian phase and is bisexual. You're like. The whole thing is I don't have to sleep with you to prove that I'm queer. Yeah. You would have been mad at me for that, too, and it wouldn't have been worth it because that joke sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has been done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. Something that I feel like, you know, within the queer community and talked about this a while ago, but it seems like people really feel the most comfortable policing lesbians and how we talk and uh, yeah based on the number of times i've been yelled at for using the term gold star oh no one takes that seriously yeah and they're like gold star is good so you're saying that you're better than everyone else i'm like yep that's exactly what i'm saying (laughs) exactly i actually have gold stars all over (laughs) it's just a dated it's just an easy way for to communicate something about yourself yeah that's it it. saves time 
time. It's just like a quick thing. And people will be like, well, like, why is that even important? Because it is important because I think that, you know, if you've never uh, fucked a man, like that's saying that like I there's this whole thing I'm totally naive about. Like, I don't know what it feels like to have a penis go soft inside of me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Well, and also, I mean, like, I don't think it makes you more valid as a lesbian. No, not at all. I do think that going through your whole life never having sex with a man, if you're a woman, is an extraordinary achievement. (laughs) That takes consistency. That takes never questioning who you are that hard to do it. There's so much pressure on you to have sex with a man. Oh, are you if taking you are us a woman into this topic? I, I guess I am. A lot Yay. of resisting of compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, totally. That that's exactly it. Like I think it's something that is worth talking about, but it's never I've never used it in a way to be like, oh, I'm better than you because of it. it's not like a bragging thing. No, but it's like and some they, people they might feel be, insecure. Yeah. And so they're projecting it onto you. Yeah. Because they don't feel that they're queer enough. But that's right. not your problem. Yeah. Well, it's I a guess. lot of projection. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I lost a friend over the summer who recently came out as bi and I called her a baby gay. Right. Uh-huh. Um, this is right after the dyke march. I took her to the dyke march and she started crying on the street. I didn't realize I'd hit a nerve. Because I said baby gay and she called it a slur. What? Um, can I read you? <laughs> I just pulled it up. Yes. She storms off, leaves me on the street. Did she just need to get her to her first lesbian breakup immediately? Yeah, that's what it <laughs> felt like. It was, and she made sure to be like, make sure you text me when you get home okay. And I was like, okay. Because okay. I knew she wanted to continue this conversation over yeah. text because she just felt weird. We ran into my friend from high school who was a lesbian in high school and now a trans man. Yeah. And I hadn't seen this person in so long. I was so excited. And the friend that I'm no longer friends with anymore um, who stormed off was really weird leading up to it, kept saying things like, are you sure you're okay? Do you want me to hold your hand? As we're walking up to this bar to meet up with this person was like I'm fine are you okay like was just <laughs> wow. like going through the dyke march I think this was like the first real dykey day of her life uh-huh. and so she's like crying at how beautiful it was and she really went for it yeah and yeah. so I go oh my god I'm so excited like I was talking to my trans men friend I'm like I'm so happy to see you holy shit and I'm here with my baby gay like I was just you know like I had a couple drinks and I yeah. was just like oh, I love you guys and she start- she screams what the fuck dude on the street and then she storms off. you. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, triggered. Uh, then I get this text, hey, I hope you got home okay last night. That may have seemed like an innocuous comment, but it was hurtful and it made me angry. I hope we could talk about it sometime, but right now I need to digest this dynamic. It was a special day where I felt sort of big and at home, but your assumptions about me made me feel small and unwelcome. And I go, again, my profuse apologies. I was screaming after her, sorry, on the street. I in no way meant to minimize you or your sense of belonging. I will admit I had a few drinks. I don't remember what prompted that, but I would never intend to hurt you. I use that term playfully with friends and might be used to a certain level of joking or ball busting with comedians. I'm really not sure. If I made you feel that way, I I do understand you needing space. She goes... Gotta be honest, the quote, I'm used to people with thicker skin is disappointing. I think you have a lot of assumptions about me. 
frankly, dude, you don't really know me. You don't know my history. You don't know my struggles, who I've been with, what my shames are. You don't ask me many questions. She has no shames. Yeah. (laughs) You don't ask about my internal world at all. So it didn't feel like a joke as much as a cute way of establishing a power dynamic in front of a group of strangers by quantifying gayness as something to be proven with dues paying and like dot, 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 pussy eating punch cards. Like only after this many pussies can we stop hazing you at literally the most delicate place inside of you. It's a recipe for bad sex, unhealthy relationships, and a shit ton of shame. Maybe your friends love that feeling, but consider that people have different experiences. And then Uh. she goes, I accept your apology, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I know there was nothing malicious intended. Did you? And I'll get over this in no time. (laughs) But I feel it was important for me to express that because it's a common feeling for a lot of people. You have no, all caps, idea how many shamey lesbian dates I've been on. And I said, to end it, I said I'm not sure to the, like, maybe I was being ball-busting comment, because I was drunk and I'm trying to make sense of what happened here. Who are you to infuse all of this meaning into my words or actions? You're right, I don't know you. You clearly don't know me and my experience or humor. I think you're just projecting a lot onto me, and I don't know what else to do, but apologize again for the comment. I said it wasn't my intent. You replied that it was. Just know that I have regret and guilt for ruining your Saturday. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, because it was Pride weekend. So... Is this exchange, like, the background on your phone? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now it is. Because, like, I didn't go to the Pride Parade that day because I'm very, like, if I know that I've hurt someone, I really internalize it and I feel really bad and ashamed. And, like, I was supposed to go to the Pride Parade and just didn't (laughs) because I just, like, sat there examining how I was, like, a terrible person. But then eventually I was like, oh, no, she's wrong and sent those texts back. Yeah. And then she goes, I wish I'd taken a breath before I sent that. It was very hard and I apologize. It's not my intent to make you feel guilty yes it was <laughs> yeah That's, that was your mo <laughs> man for he, saying baby gay like i yeah, love you my nuts. baby gay is what i said so many people embrace the term baby gay i mean like half of our listener emails say baby gay and uh, you know if she doesn't like the word baby gay that's fine and and i also believe that there are a lot of bisexual women or queer women who have felt shamed maybe by by lesbians before right mm-hmm. but you can't attach that to what I... To, to, yeah, you can't attach that to other things. Like, if someone's an asshole, that person's an asshole. You can't generalize then that, you know, oh, now I'm using the term baby gay to shame you and stuff. And it's like, oh, we just like to use cute little words like gold star yeah. and baby gay. It's not, yeah. And Forgive us for having fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the stereotype that lesbians aren't fun is because people try to kill us every time we are. Yeah. <laughs> Ding, ding. Like, what are we supposed to replace these terms with? No matter what, it's going to trigger someone and make them feel like not queer enough or something like they're it's this is going to continue to happen. So much of this is like, I don't feel queer enough because you used a word implying that a queer person who isn't me exists. Right. (laughs) Like. Every time I go on a podcast that like talks about dating or whatever, like the, the 
podcast host who is like usually like straight. Yeah. Will be like, and you're a, and bring it up like a, a, a lady who dates ladies. And it's like, lesbian is not a bad word. Yeah. The rest of the queer <laughs> community has tried to make it sound like a bad word, but it isn't. Like, you yeah. don't have to tiptoe around it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You suggested this topic of compulsory heterosexuality. And I had to go to Wikipedia because I was like, is this just heteronormativity? Or no. So I actually wasn't familiar with this as a turn. Uh, So thank you. You learn something new every episode. So just to ground everybody in it, is the Wikipedia, do you know if the Wikipedia definition I'm, is? I'm sure it is. You want to? Okay. It was actually written by Rachel. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea that heterosexuality is assumed and enforced by a patriarchal and heteronormative society. In this theory, heterosexuality is seen as able to be adopted by people regardless of their personal sexual orientation. Heterosexuality is viewed as the natural state of both sexes and deviation is seen as unfavorable. Yeah. So why do you want to talk about this? I just think it's interesting because we we talk a lot reasonably about how like sexuality is a spectrum and all that. Right. And I, I believe that it is. Yeah. But I think a lot of that language, especially when you're young, can be spun in like young queer people's minds, young gay people's minds specifically to be yeah. like, oh, it's a spe- like I can choose the right thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was the conversation that I had when I came out to my priest, basically. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we believe that people can be gay, but you don't act on it because that's bad. So like, yeah, you can have these same sex feelings, but you don't act on them because you can also just be with a man. Yeah, basically. I mean, more or less, but that's what he was trying to tell me. And, you know, what man would want that? (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I looked at the Wikipedia too. (laughs) (laughs) And I did like how they mentioned how it starts with like, you know, like doctors, like it's huge in medical rooms when they're even like to women describe your sexual history. When was the last time you were sexually active? They mean when was the last time like a penis was in your vagina? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which I I think depending on like what the issue is, is reasonable. Right. Right. Of course. Ask it differently. Yeah. The theme of my life is finding antidepressants that work like a combination of meds. Uh (laughs) Um, And my, even my psychiatrist a few weeks ago, like we kept making changes and we made yet another one. And she's like, that's just like dating, huh? We're going to find you. your Prince charming. Like we're going to find the right man. Yeah. Come on. That's just the default, I guess. Yeah. I feel like going back to the, when was the last time you had sex thing? I always felt, so uncomfortable being like well yes I am sexually active but only with women and just like bracing myself for the reactions of like having to 
come out in, in those ways and feel like you are deviant. Yeah. <laughs> Even like being a proud lesbian. It's like so many things play into it. But at the same time, like heteronormativity is not something that I necessarily get angry about. Yeah. I mean, like that, that type of thing, that is irritating. Yeah. But if the doctor is not like hostile, I don't care. Yeah. So, so like a big thing for me was like, Anytime, uh, and I used to have a, a joke about this, but anytime I'd come out to people, like especially in a work setting, and it would always be triggered by them asking, like, do you have a boyfriend? Do yeah, you have a yeah. husband? Yeah. And I would say, oh, I actually have a wife. And they'd always be like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And <laughs> wives are awful. Right, right. But they but they meant like sorry for assuming you're straight. I'm yeah. like, and I'm always and they get like real apologetic. I'm like, that's fine. The joke used to be, I'm sad I had to get rid of this after after the divorce, but it was like they'll they'll ask me what my husband does. And I say, Oh, actually it's my wife. She's an engineer. And they say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's okay, she's not that boring. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. A fun little joke that I had to drop. But anyway, like I don't get mad at people for assuming that if I'm married, I'm married to a man because you like we all grew up on that assumption that that's like the likely. Yeah. And I mean, scenario. statistically it is. Yeah. Yeah. I can also see why somebody would get mad about it, too. Yeah. But that is the default. And it feels like it's it is changing. And I do feel like people aren't assuming it anymore. But like even when uh, I had to go to the the sperm bank the other week and uh, Cecilia and I had to sign off on these forms and like we had to sign the husband line. <laughs> they went for husband. They couldn't just say spouse. It was oh, like, hus- yeah. easy fix. Husband sign here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually pointed out and she's like, oh, I thought we changed it on all of them. I'm like, nope, not this one. <laughs> That's fun though. Yeah. Just, just to be drafted into you're the man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get mad. You said you didn't get mad. I would just get really frustrated to doctors, even though I'm not like, completely Kinsey what is it six or seven like six six I would still bark back at doctors like well I'm gay so what do you need to know yeah like when they ask when's the last time yeah Uh, because I just I also love uncomfortable situations and like to sit in them but I would get really frustrated and react that way Rachel did you have times when you were like figuring shit out or when you were younger where you like maybe knew you were queer but were trying not to be oh for sure Yeah. yeah In high school, I really wanted that to not be true. A big part of it for me personally was I felt very guilty objectifying women. Hmm. And I felt like if I could just make myself like men, then I wouldn't ever have to feel guilty about being like a bad feminist. Huh. That's so interesting. I'm surprised like that's not more people's experience because that was like that was kind of the defining thing for me in accepting who I was. I guess because I can relate. Yeah, I think that's definitely true for a lot of people. I guess for me, I always felt like the difference between queer women and straight men is that we don't really objectify women as much. And when we do, it's because we're just like performing masculinity. Maybe that's unfair of me to assume because I I do know, like I remember I had this boss who was like more on the butch side and she would just make all these comments about like, younger women and being like oh yeah I'd like to and I'm like ew (laughs) why are you talking about her that way like that's not what we do that's what men do yeah Why, why are we doing that so I never felt like I was necessarily objectifying women but there have been times 
where I will catch myself and then I feel like, ah. Yeah. Well, I know why. Mine was very conditional that I felt like I was objectifying women because the way I discovered that I had feelings for women is the person who had lived in the house before us in this basement had um, like left a lot of boxes uh-huh. when I was like in boxes of lesbians, <laughs> boxes of lesbian porn Great. or no, just like porn. And so I was like, okay, I like this, but like, I just kind of uh, had a really misogynistic exposure to like my feelings. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like there. I was kind of, obje- I was just always, I felt I was a little creepy kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and I did have that guilt and shame too, but that's how I, started to know that I was attracted to women. So it was, I had to shake a lot of that off. Same. Yeah. For for me, it was, I accidentally found porn. Yeah. When I just went on the internet and I was just looking for like, yeah, fun articles that an 11 year old girl would like. And so I typed in girls.com and now I'm a lesbian. So Ah. relatable. Yeah. Really? I was always on purpose finding porn. It wasn't <laughs> No, I accidentally came up on it. This is wow. dad. I hope my dad never listened to this. Um, uh, my dad obviously did not know when the internet was new how to clear search history. Oh, God. And I was just like, <gasps> okay. Because it's like the internet, this was like AOL dial up. Like you could see what had already been seen because of like cookie or like the cache yeah, in yeah, your yeah. computer. So like I would be like playing a game. I don't know. I would I would be able to look at this porn on the internet without being connected to the internet because they would know if I was on the internet and I had a certain like times I was allowed to be on it because yeah, tie yeah, up yeah. the phone line. I remember it so well. This like secretary and like garters and like yeah. <laughs> like office like man and secretary. This, Mr. Like, Kamali. Very I know. It's so <laughs> gross. And I used to have stand-up jokes about it. And then I was just like, I feel weird telling these. I'm not and <laughs> retired them. But it was just like the jokes about how like like father like daughter when it comes to like um porn preferences. But yeah, I came across it accidentally just yeah. being like, what was my dad doing? Oh shit. <laughs> I had a joke that was like I have a hard time looking at porn because the first thing they show you our videos other people are watching I'm like what if that other person's my dad yeah (laughs) that's like my first thought and that's why I can't watch porn (laughs) yeah it was super super porny for me (laughs) at first yeah see that's like I also had and I know people are gonna write in and be like no there's like lesbian porn that's like good and made for lesbians yeah like two videos yeah, yeah I this could was 1999 2002 <laughs> yeah even now that like I can't I can't get into lesbian porn because for me it just feels like so objectifying that uh, it just looks fake yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like in straight porn, at least there's a woman's body and a person enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at least, you know, for sure. Someone's happy to per- be there. <laughs> I was talking about this on another podcast and then I was like, I can't believe I talked about this. But since it's already out there, I only if if I am going to watch porn, I only watch like hetero or, or like one man or no multiple men sometimes but uh, <laughs> <laughs> which you wouldn't like the think kids for are me. all right yeah remember that scene yeah no I don't I don't I remember yeah <laughs> yeah I think I, about that a lot actually no but like uh, a woman because I know that at least the men are enjoying it if I feel like nobody's enjoying it I get like very sad this is why I can't watch a lot of porn it, it and, all makes and it's me also just sad. there's just like nothing there yeah it's like what is exciting about that yeah yeah and the, there is like very inclusive 
porn now, but it's like fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I, I get. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know paying for porn is like the thing you're supposed to do, but I'm not. Like, I don't consume enough, nor do I want to. Con- I never want to feel like I need to get my fifty dollars worth of. Porn I know I'm <laughs> in and out, and <laughs> you know, it's like I've got this AMC Stubbs pass, and like every night I'm free, I'm like, all right, what movie am I seeing tonight? Yeah. I don't want to be that way with porn. Yeah. <laughs> That's very <God>. real. <laughs> uh, anyway. So you were saying that objectifying women was something that, that you were afraid of doing. Did like religion or like family beliefs play into it at all? I grew up in a pretty liberal area. Yeah. And my, my parents were both Democrats. Uh, my mom was very Lutheran. Um, And I remember when I was like 11 or 12, I asked her what she thought about gay people. And she just did this whole like rant about how gay people are narcissists. And it comes from being like so deeply in love with yourself that you're just looking for your carbon copy. Oh, my God. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Me neither. I thought she was going to be this cool Lutheran mom. No. It's okay. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I used to to talk about it on stage, actually, because she's like, you're just looking for someone who's exactly exactly like yourself because you're just and you'll never be able to like find real love because you're so in love with yourself and I would say on stage and I could not make this work for real audiences they would get too sad but yeah. I, I would say like I know now that my mom was wrong because I don't want a date of five. <laughs> oh yeah real people hate it <laughs> that's so funny that's an interesting that's take. a really funny <laughs> thank you oh no your joke's killer your mom's take is new to me oh i yeah. mean yeah i mean like it fucked me up yeah like and so i was like i can't feel this because i didn't think i was going to hell i was an atheist i didn't believe in hell sure but i did i didn't think that being gay was wrong in that it was bad to act on it I thought it was bad to feel it at all because it reflected on some kind of like core character flaw. Huh. Wow. You, you know what I thought? And because I like grew up in the Catholic church, even though I was always like questioning everything they had to say was that I didn't really believe uh, that any of that, that they were teaching was real. Uh huh. But I was like, I do believe that if you live your life by these tenants, that you'll have a better life, that this yeah. is the key to happiness is like, don't steal, don't do these bad things, like live in this way, be charitable, whatever. And that's like that the Bible is just a guide that they figured out of like, this is a way to live a good life. And part of that would be being heterosexual. So it was like, okay, like even though I'm gay, like, and having these feelings, I'm not supposed to, because my life is going to be shitty for it. Yeah. And yeah, that was more of the thing that, that I had to overcome with thinking that like heterosexuality led to happy life. But, totally. but not enough that I was like, that's fine. I'm willing to be like subpar happy uh, <laughs> and eating pussy. <laughs> yeah. J- just for your punch card, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for <laughs> oh my just God. Because punches pussy in. eating punch card. I was like, you're a <gasps> poet. Look at that alliteration. I, yes. I, the alliteration and also just like that is the type of phrase that is only turned by people who don't really want to eat pussy. Absolutely. <laughs> Just like you don't want to have to buy that coffee for like, your punch card, yeah, you know? Yes, like, yes, like you should have to be rewarded for eating pussy. Yeah. Like also, the pussy don't itself do it. isn't the reward. Don't do it yeah. because I know how punch cards work and the reward is just going to be more pussy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want any of this, honey. Seriously. 
And that's what we were talking about last time with Solange. We're like, wait, so I feel like in Brooklyn, this is very much a Brooklyn gal who's like, you know, it's like, you don't have to be queer. You know that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite tweets of yours, Rachel, is uh, it's something like, yeah, everyone in Brooklyn is queer, but I have to date in New Jersey to get someone to eat my pussy or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, The yeah. way you put it was oh, yeah. funnier. But, we were just talking about uh, that. You yeah. can say it the real way. <laughs> oh, no, no, thank was you. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you let, no, I mean, like, it was slightly different, but I haven't memorized all my tweets. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I a have. narcissist, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening from hell? Oh, my God. <laughs> I loved her very much. <laughs> that joke is uh, very real. Yeah, it's it's so irritating. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's it is kind of crazy that I wouldn't say we have compulsory queerness now. I don't think anyone is like telling anyone they have to be queer. But I do think a lot of it is interesting. Like there are so many people who think they would be more interesting or they could have some kind of like victim status or something. Yeah, if they're queer. I think that we've swung so far the other way that like being heterosexual is like inherently bad. Is it? I, in, well, our I, I bubbles. Never, in our bubbles. Is it bad though? Maybe I'm just used to this because I'm surrounded by a lot of like woke young yeah, we, girl we, comics who are just like, you know, straight white guy is a punchline. Yeah. Um, so they're just trying to get away from but that. But doesn't or, dating them then just make you more of a victim? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. great? Isn't that what you want? <laughs> oh, I think there's no greater victim than straight women who have <laughs> no other options. Yeah. <laughs> My heart goes out, but I know people are listening in like maybe a rural area like what the fuck are you talking about? It's not so know. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Nothing is exposing my bubble more than realizing that I must be friends with at least 40% of Elizabeth Warren's base because <laughs> based on how many votes she's gotten and how many people I know who like her, I think I know like almost half of the people who support her. Oh my god. <laughs> and then I see the polls I'm like, "Well, that's weird." Because <laughs> everybody yeah I know and then also from people I know who are canvassing especially for Bernie Sanders yeah and the, these conversations that I hear I'm like ooh, yes we are like because it's inconceivable that somebody in South Carolina is a registered Democrat and does not know that the primary is happening <laughs> and then they're like what are you talking about yeah yeah who's running <laughs> like, what <laughs> I did get a very sweet text from my dad who is only able to like recently vote in elections. It took forever to become a citizen. So he sent a picture with his I voted sticker Aww. and he's in South Carolina and voted for Bernie. Yes. And was so happy to do it and was like so excited to see other Democrats doing it too. Just Democrats in general. Like he thought he'd be the only one and he was like nervous to go. Oh, that's Aww. beautiful. Aww. I love it. <laughs> that's cute. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm in, I'm in such a different bubble from you. Yeah. Because everyone I'm friends with supports Bernie. Well, that's because you hang with more male comedians. No, I know. It's, it's not just male comedians. <laughs> yeah, honestly. It, no, but, and, but, but it, it's and not. There are a lot of women I know who... toxic misogynist Kate Willett. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, because you hang out with her. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Because we knew Ragov. We, I don't know. We have a uh, lot of yeah, yeah. Yeah. staunch Bernie supporters comedian friends yeah yes. for for the listeners um my friend Raghav Mehta uh died last year almost exactly a year ago yeah. Um, yeah. at this point and so all of his friends just fucking radicalized and so yeah. uh for the past year we have been posting constantly <laughs> yeah we drove up to New Hampshire uh some of them are in Massachusetts right now canvassing and we have uh unfortunately almost 
no patience for Warren supporters whatsoever. <laughs> if 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 Ragov were alive, he would just be the one hating the Elizabeth Warren supporters, and we'd all be like, yeah, whatever. But because he is dead, yeah. because he didn't have health insurance, yeah, yeah, that's why it's nuts. Yeah, um, and Kate wrote a good article. For yeah, Glam- for a really great piece. Yeah, um, it, I didn't it know it was so a Bernie. Good. Borough until I lost one or a Bernie supporter. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I hated Bernie bros until, until I loved and lost one. one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. It's, it's a really great moving piece. And I was maybe or maybe not in tears by the end of it and not, <laughs> not expecting it. And <sighs> how do we get here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did I make an Elizabeth Warren? Oh, the bubble, the bubble. <laughs> We're in a bubble living in New York and especially like in entertainment it almost seems like a bad thing to be heterosexual and yes people listening are like you guys are insane because I'm afraid to walk down the street with uh, a rainbow pin on. <laughs> Meanwhile we're competing with other like queer comics to get on a list of top queer comics and then we're just like oh they're queer okay like it's yeah. just <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> those, those lists are going to be the end of us. Yeah. We're all going to turn on each other. <laughs> so goddamn annoying. Yep. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day, like the whole, like what a weird thing to, you know, most people it's like they do their jobs and they get like performance reviews by their bosses. And then we're just all waiting for some like writer we never heard of to put us on a list that nobody's reading. And yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And that will determine whether or not uh, we have suicidal thoughts that month. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that goes with, compulsory heterosexuality uh, is marriage. Yeah. So that's part of it. Um, really glad I skipped that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I had to think a lot about like marriage and wanting to be married. Uh, yeah, I was interested on I'm a pro. your take. No, I mean, I do. I do think that it, it was interesting to read in this Wikipedia article <laughs> uh, <laughs> where I get all my knowledge. Uh, you know how marriage like really exists to like reinforce power dynamics. I mean, I mean everything about heterosexuality and how it became like in the patriarch and how that all became a thing was women would get married so that they could be financially dependent on a man yeah, and just like produce babies and, and have kids. And for, for queer people, you're getting married for different reasons, but also sometimes like the same reasons. And some queer people are like very against marriage because to them they see it as being like this patriarchal heteronormative getting to visit your partner in the hospital yeah right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I did it more for those reasons of getting to visit your partner in the hospital and uh insurance it's all medical (laughs) yeah insurance um (laughs) medicare for all we will not need gay marriage anymore yes (laughs) this is how we'll sell them to republicans we'll trade it we'll trade gay marriage (laughs) i would for sure well i can't because then uh cecilia would have to leave the country oh yeah yeah yeah. oh that's no good actually no maybe not anymore but still fair trade though yeah i mean in theory i would but don't worry, babe, if you're listening. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was like, no, I wouldn't trade my marriage for everybody having access to health care. <laughs> did you guys experience compulsory? Like, did you feel like it would be better, even though you knew you were into women, like it would be better if you were with a man um, after the 
Catholic thing? Like, how long did that last for you? Oh, not long at all. I mean, like, That's great. Once, once I kissed a woman for the first time, it was so different than any of the experiences I'd had with men, which were like very limited. But yeah. like, you know, I'd kissed men before, like all all strangers, like all you know, like being out and being like, well, I guess I have to make out with the guy because that's what everyone else is doing, or like they're mm-hmm. gonna think I'm gay if I don't do this. But like the first time I had like a crush on a woman was so different than any time I pretended to have a crush on a guy. Yeah. The first time I kissed a woman, I was like so turned on and like not repulsed at all, which yeah. is like how I felt making out with the guy. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now, like it was such a radical change in me because I'd always felt so alien from all of my friends who like when they were obsessing over men I just found it so unrelatable yeah N- not the fact that it was men but these feelings they were having I'm like why are you acting like idiots <laughs> you know or like what's the big fucking deal and then I was like oh it's just because I can only get that with with a woman. I can only feel that. So I I knew right away that if I tried being with men, that I would live this like just very limiting experience where I wouldn't feel the range of human emotions, I guess, like good or bad. You know, I would never have like a relationship that I was necessarily that invested in. (laughs) I I was not that self-aware for a long time. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I was just furious when my friends got boyfriends and just like, (laughs) it's great. It was like that fortune femester joke with her mom being like, I don't know why you get so upset when your friends get boyfriends because she's my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that's how I'd react. Um, but I, I felt like it'd be better. I'm still shaking off the like compulsory hetero- heterosexuality just like as of a few years ago, too. Like, I think a lot of people um, are, yeah. I didn't have the religion. My parents were uh, really anti-religion because they had to flee a country where religion was mandatory yeah. suddenly. So I didn't have that. I was told not to believe in religion. But I did have the American dream. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I needed to like procreate and like start a new generation of our family. And I always had that on me. Like I mm-hmm. needed to not just do well for myself, but also like continue the bloodline. Like that was always yeah. huge. Are so, you an only child? Uh, no, I have a younger sister who. Thank God. Um, yeah, she's like fluid too. But she doesn't really date. She's like oh more ace than anything. I have a dick crazy younger sister. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Such a relief. My sister is, yeah. Yeah, it it was. I was like, I know it's up to me because Melissa's never gonna. I don't yeah. know if we'll ever have her with a man or a woman or. Um, but yeah, I I was I always knew that I thought I was gay, like very gay as a kid, and just buried that. And then did have relationships with women. And then I got like hetero curious. Um, and in Chicago, I started dating a guy. That was when we were at Hunter Proof, right? Yeah. Do you remember? he? I, I don't remember meeting him. Okay. But I... The reason I got so excited too, because I had this like sense of relief and I was like, what if this works out? Yeah. And like, I can have a kid someday and my parents will be so excited to have grandchildren. And, you know, he's Middle Eastern. So like, wow. And he gets it. He gets it. And he knew that I was queer too. Um, a lot of his friends are lesbians, but I remember him making a comment too about how he would like changed me or like, and I was like, Oh, okay. Like just getting really disgusted with that towards Ooh, the end of the relationship. Yeah. And then just like, 
dove into a pool of pussy after that. <laughs> and I've looked back since, but yeah, that's. I'm still shaking off that, like, I... Drowning in punch cards. (laughs) So much free pussy for me at that point. (laughs) Deserved. It was really hard for me to let go of that relationship. It was, like, really toxic. It was really emotionally abusive, and I could not let go of it because I was like, I I have one, and I can, like, be regular for my family. Yeah. But that's long gone now. Um, Good. Because I had to formally come out to my parents, too, like... I'd hint at it a lot, a lot of hinting. And because my parents also knew I was gay, like as a kid, but my dad, my dad, like my parents don't have the English to express themselves well normally and especially to talk about this stuff. So they were just making like scissoring motions? No, literally my dad was like, are you gay? Like out of nowhere and be like, no, no. Like it was just like an accusation. Yeah. Um, So I had to, after that relationship ended, just like, ripped the bandaid and called my dad. Um, and he was like, well, you'll find another guy. And I go, uh, or girl. And he goes, oh, um, okay, fine. Whatever makes you happy. And that's how he came out to my dad wow. on the phone. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I famously had to come out to them because Allie invited herself over for Thanksgiving. And I was like, shit, I, I, and I was like, that's in a couple months. I need to come out to my parents right now. And so <laughs> it was a huge shock because I was like, she's out. She's got a girlfriend. She's here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Guess who's coming to dinner? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she was like nervous about pronouncing their names right. Um, so she was like, I'm just going to call them mom and dad if that's all right. Because I don't want to mess up their names (laughs) so it's just so much so fast but yeah Uh, I'm still that was just a few years ago so I'm still shaking that all off did you find yourself like trying to date men then like yeah uh, or did you feel like you ever got like close or was it always like this is awful (laughs) (laughs) I think we assume just the way it's talked about like if you're a lesbian you're gonna be like repulsed by men or like especially like if you're a gay man all the fish jokes like pussy's disgusting or whatever yeah yeah yeah. and I didn't really find men repulsive they were just boring as hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah I could I could make out with a man and I wouldn't be like turned on but I mean like you feel like it's just nice to be close to a human being yeah it's like I was like you I can make this work or whatever. You know, I was, so I was watching uh, Desiree Akhavan's Appropriate Behavior. Oh, yes. And there's a scene in it where they're like at a bar and her girlfriend, who's like so gay, is just like making out with this guy, this straight guy who's just there with his brother and she catches them making out. And it was I think because she felt like distance from the relationship and that guy was there in like physical yeah. contact sometimes feels good. So when Desiree confronts her, is like, what the fuck? And she's like, I don't know. It was like kissing a baby. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I know that's messed up, but that's kind of like how like all the men I've ever made out with. Some felt like eh, if they had like a lot of stubble, that kind of grossed me uh, out. But some of them, I'm like, well, this isn't bad. It's definitely not good, but it's just something to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I would have to get very drunk to mm. do it, too. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Like I had to I've never done it for sober. a year. <laughs> yeah, I I've started to realize like in hindsight, I'm like I had to get obliterated to, yeah. uh, before those like dates with men when I was trying that out. Yeah, it was only in college that I've never had like actual like dick in the twat intercourse. Yeah. <laughs> um but like I I did oral with this guy when I was in college and I had to fucking yo. I had to drink. Yeah. yeah. That's harder than 
that would be harder to do than I. I assume <laughs> I, I was like I should have just like had a con or let maybe that would have been easier. But then Dad turned this off. Um, <laughs> but then I like was with a woman recently, and she's like, "I want to fuck you with a strap on." And I was like, "Oh, that sounded interesting," and it hurt like a bitch. <laughs> so I'm really glad I did not have to yeah. experience that with a real penis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even past that, though, were there any times like I don't know what your dating history is like, but like in between relationships where yeah, you I find mean, yourself it's, single, it's just, it's like just so easy because that validation is right there. And if you can make it work, it would like when I was in college, everyone in my friend group was queer and yeah. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> some of them were queer. Some of them just wanted to feel like there was something different about them. Yeah. There were a couple of girls who like had sex the first week, but that was clearly like experimental. Sometimes there would be like a threesome or, or something, but it was yeah. like very like we're by being by makes us better than you because you are shallow because your love is about gender. Whereas ours is about souls. Uh, that kind of bullshit. I graduated college. I went to liberal arts school where supposedly everything was going to be better. I'm in this like queer group of friends where everyone is like idolizing Dan Savage and they know everything about sex and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and still the pairings that are considered real and also the ones that are uh, kind of stable and available are opposite sex. Yeah. So it's like, if I can't find it here, I probably can't find it anywhere. Yeah. And I just need to like, cause I didn't, I didn't feel like I was necessarily 100% gay. Mm -hmm. Some of the first sexual feelings I had, like after I accidentally found that porn, I was in seventh grade and there was this boy in my class who had enormous blue eyes. <laughs> and that was so hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when a guy is just like really attracted to like a Freeze, woman's feet guys. or something. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I don't know that I would have wanted anything to do really with the rest of him, but that yeah. turned me on so much. I was yeah. like, I'm bi. Yeah. <laughs> But in fact, I am not bi and there are women who have enormous eyes too. Um, but yeah, no, I just felt like if I can if I can make that work, not only is that going to be easier, but it it will uh, mean something about me that I'm not shallow and just want to be with a hot chick. I, I have a soul and I can I can really see someone for who they are and also I can be desired, yeah, because I didn't think. Like, it, it's very hard to find a woman on a college campus who, like, has carnal desire for women. <laughs> it's always about, like, proving something. Yeah. yeah. My sophomore year of college, um, I started dating, um, and, and not officially dating, but, you know, like, a non-relationship relationship, relationship um, with this girl in my friend group who I thought was so hot. And, like, I, just, I was, like, in love with her. Mm -hmm. Um not beforehand, but just like we we started sleeping in the same bed. We were making out. We were spending lots of time together, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she was like, uh, I can't have sex because I've ha I have this trauma. And I was just like, I just spent the summer in Plum Village. Um, and I realized I need to like do this Buddhism thing where I find an inner, inner diamond of happiness. Um, and only like a year from now or something like that, am I going to be able to have sex again? Because sex is like the junk food of connection, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, well, there's nothing else around and I'm in love with you. So sure. We'll keep doing that. Um, yeah. and then of course she cheats on me with a man and <gasps> dates him for the rest of college. And when I'm like in the gym trying to get over this, I dislocate my kneecap. Uh, this is like six days later, but the rest of college was just like, okay, 
I lost and now the rest of it is just everyone's kind of rubbing my face in it because they don't they don't really care what she did because she takes her top off at parties whereas I don't and she's like more fun or whatever and so I it was just it was like this deep constant alienation and loneliness and the only escape from that is having someone want you even if it's a man yeah so my junior year I started like hooking up with this guy who was also in the friend group we hung out a lot over the summer because we like kind of lived near each other and it was like if I could love him I would be happy yeah like if if I could just make this work not only it's not about like being able to have kids in a normal life it's just it would be an immediate escape from this loneliness where even in a queer circle it feels like it is impossible to be happy as a lesbian yeah that's real yeah Yeah, I don't know like I I have friends who definitely like they identify as gay and then after getting their their heart broken by a woman for whatever reason they'll rebound with a man yeah but I always thought that it was more of a thing of like this won't hurt me emotionally as much but I'm craving connection because I miss my ex and then they're using men in that way and it's never I've never seen it like it's always treating men as a rebound and I yeah I understand what why they do that I've never had that urge and like that's great I I mean (laughs) in past relationships when I thought like things were you know on, on the fritz I would think like maybe for a second like would I date men to for the free dinners? Uh, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, nah, not even. I don't know. I'm like, maybe. And then, like, as soon as I'm single, like, all I want to be with is another woman. Like, yeah. it doesn't even, I'm not even, like, tempted to go on a date with a guy. And, yeah, that, that even, I remember that happened after I got out of, um, like, my first really long-term relationship. That person was like casually dating men I think trying but but I think in that case it was trying to make it work and trying to be like maybe I never gave this heterosexual thing a, a shot because they had come out so young mm-hmm. that that they were trying to to be like yeah, do, do like I a check doing. yeah 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 I was like oh I have to I'm in my mid-20s like I haven't been with a man got a check in with it. my yeah. last shot <laughs> yeah to try to make like everyone happy yeah also, look at all the real L word cast. I feel like a lot of them are now oh, married yeah, yeah, yeah. and pregnant, yeah. married to men. Yeah, I Did mean. Did you ever watch that? The real. No. You didn't watch. <laughs> I, I saw a couple episodes of the original L word. Okay. So I, I kind of know. Okay. Pussy eating punch card will give that one <laughs> half a punch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was very proud of myself after my last, like, big relationship. Um, when I was rebounding from that, I was like, I'm just going to fuck women. Yeah. Even if it's really difficult, I'm going to get on the apps and I'm going to, like, hook up with these women that I don't like. Yeah. And it wasn't any different from hooking up with men I don't like. That's what I was going to say when we were talking about rebounding with men. For me, it's just rebounding with m- something mindless and a lot of the time it's easier to just do that with men yeah I just wanted like casual sex and like nothing too like cerebral yeah <laughs> and to me that's that's my yeah end. I mean it's it's it's, <laughs> it's so hard for me to like I don't know how many people are legitimately how many women are legitimately turned on during like a hookup maybe maybe some of them I'm not saying women <laughs> aren't horny but I think there are a lot of women who 
like it's it's just the first time you have sex with someone and there's no real connection there. Yeah. Me personally, I'm baseline not gonna be experiencing that as like a great sexual experience no matter what. Yeah, no, that's true. Like the one time that I definitely had yeah. like what I consider a, like a classic one night stand and I remember being like, huh. I felt like I should have enjoyed that more. I was like uh-huh. on the rebound. Also, this person like wasn't my my usual type. It was definitely more of like a stud and I'd only been with them. Yeah. Women. But she was like super cute and like physically like everything seemed to be doing what it should be doing. But at the same time, I was like, well, I don't have any urge to do that again with that person. Yeah. <laughs> And that was, like, my first time experiencing that because I'm such, like, an emotional, like, I need emotional connection. Oh, and like, yeah, that would scare me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody surprised the person on their second marriage uh, <laughs> craves emotional connection? So I think we covered a lot of ground there about just feeling pressured. To <laughs> just being gay and sad in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, any imparting advice? Uh, Wikipedia Be rules. Be true to yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> get on there and yeah. check out the compulsory heterosexual life. No, it, there is an essay, Adrian Rich. Yeah, that's Compulsory right. heterosexuality and the lesbian existence, which really kickstarted that conversation. So read that or find its Wikipedia article and let us know your thoughts. And don't have sex with men if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, and don't have sex with women if you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> don't have sex with yeah, anybody if you want to. Yeah, don't do it for your punch card. Do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Never feel obligated to get that punch card filled up. Oh, gosh. Uh, I hope your ex-friend is listening. I, I wonder. <laughs> and she's probably burning down everything around her right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's probably... She can be mad for this, but not for her fingers, the inciting incident. Her fingers are on fire from <laughs> typing so fast right now. <laughs> and definitely not from fingering a woman. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, so many emails coming to us. Oh, yeah. So many emails you know love who you love people love how you want to love identify how you want to identify and moving on that's my that's my asterisk at the bottom to yeah it's like when you uh send an email and at the bottom it's like that legal disclaimer yeah like just just think of that and know that we all mean well and love you okay uh listener question oh this one is from a very special listener it came from patreon and you know that puts your question at the top of the list and this listener came to see me perform in chicago and drove four hours to see me perform oh my god and she was so sweet and was so great to meet her and then i got this listener question i was like oh no so it says last week and I drafted an email to you asking you for advice on how to propose to my girlfriend. Then last Tuesday, she dumped me. We had been together for over a year and I obviously thought things were going well. She came over and said that we hadn't spent much time together recently. I asked her how we could fix it. She said, I didn't come here to fix it. I came here to end it. I'm heartbroken. Is this a reality show? (laughs) (laughs) Right? She scripted that. Uh, Now I guess I need some advice on how to get over my first true love. So I will say having met this listener, she's very young. And this does sound like a true case of the baby gaze of that first love. That is just the most devastating thing. Even though in retrospect, you'll be like, that was not the right relationship for me at all. And it's going to be hard. Like your first breakup 
is always going to be devastating. And especially, I mean, my first girlfriend, like, like my first like long-term one, even though I was like 21, you know, I was thinking like, well, I'm going to have to propose, you know, which now looking yeah. back, I'm like, how insane. That's that line in the listener question too. Like, well, I thought it'd been going well and we've been together over a year, but that's something we all kind of go through with our first lesbian love or love in general yeah yeah a whole year and I just think your first breakup is a huge learning lesson and you're just going to be really grateful for it eventually it just sucks for now all the songs are going to sound really real (laughs) Um, but well just like we were saying I mean uh about you know seeking affection from other people (laughs) um it's not going to feel the same and that can make you I mean, for, for some people, you know, who just need the physical affection, like some people say the best way to get over somebody is getting under somebody, right? But yeah. for some people that will not feel good and then you'll feel worse because you'll be like, oh, sex with my girlfriend was so beautiful and yeah. magical. And, and then like, you're crying into someone's mouth eventually and it's yeah. not fun. Take the time. No, yeah, I mean, just feel completely not there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun. Like in in movies, they'll be like, "Oh, you're having sex with this person, and you're calling out your ex's name." And it's like, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're just there, and you're completely disconnected, and they yeah. can't really tell, and it makes you feel even more unseen. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's good to like sit in those emotions and let yourself feel them when you're going through any breakup. I think like sometimes we all feel like we have to pretend we're okay or like get over it really fast but I think the best way to get over it is to like feel everything as much as possible like as long as it's safe and you're not like you know jumping off a bridge or anything but like I don't know I I know for me like the hardest breakups that that I've been through and the ones that I got over I would say the most successfully were when I let myself like cry until I felt I couldn't breathe anymore and got like everything like out of my system and like went and hung out with friends and talked to friends. Friends are huge. In yeah. Breakups. And your ex is not one of them. Yes. 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 Do not even try to be friends. We have a clear stance on this <laughs> podcast about not being friends with your exes. And yeah, talk to people who aren't your ex. Talk to people who you've known for years that you can go and talk to and get your feelings out. And they can tell you that they never really liked your girlfriend anyway and all the things that you need to hear and with time and not even as much time as you think you'll feel okay again and you'll be excited about life and what's coming next that's my perspective anything else no that's great that's perfect yeah don't numb it feel it yeah move on (laughs) yeah exactly great well good luck with that and uh hope to run into you the next time we're in chicago yes Rachel, okay, here's the big reveal. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Rachel M. Comedy. Okay, and will you tell us if you get any angry DMs from her? I'm I'm positive I will. All right. (laughs) Great, great. And then is that where they, where can they learn about like your upcoming shows, your website? Uh, Yeah, rachelmccartney.net, which I don't update as much as I should, but I'll do that. Great, great. I know, I find that plugging my website always forces me to update it. Melody. I too have a website and if I say it, then I will have to run home and update it. So MelodyKamali.com. Great. And <laughs> I'm at uh, CBComedy.com. So you don't even have to spell my last name. It's great. And then you can keep thinking my name is Caroline, even though every episode I say it's Carolyn. Mm. But I see you listeners emailing me 
spelling it Caroline. And you can always follow us at Diking Out on all social media platforms. We have pictures of the Stonewall Vest, the official hashtag Stonewall Vest. We have all sorts of things going on on our social media. We had Sir Baby Girl do a cameo singing our theme song. There's great stuff on there. So give us a follow and also go to patreon.com slash diking out if you want to get extra content. We did record a squirting episode that I have to edit, but that will go up there very soon. And also it really helps because we're trying to get to more cities and travel together. We're going to be in LA. We're going to be in Vegas and that all costs money. So um, the more support you give us, the more chances we have to come to a city near you or a country near you because we are down for it. Just our bank accounts aren't (laughs) yet. And you shouldn't have to drive four hours. You shouldn't have to drive four hours. We want to come to Indiana. Thank you for diking out with us this week. Dike out with us again next week. Bye. Goodbye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.